0: To connect the dots between what I'm saying and Dave's saying, what Dave's saying is that as a brand, the things that we stand for are all about creating a better environment to be strategic, to do innovative things, to like grow and to you know develop your people and all that stuff by kind of covering off on some of the friction in our business that comes from a lack of shared understanding.
1: Tom O'Neill, Dave Annis, thank you for joining the Early Morning Riffs podcast. Hosted by myself, affectionately known as the Commission, brand of wish now. <laughs> Thank
0: you. It's our pleasure. You know, getting up early for stuff like this is really not a problem uh, when it's, you know, such a great person that's going to be asking us questions and really challenging us to
1: put our best foots forward. Foots? Feet. Feet. Tom, it's it's one <laughs> thirty or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, yeah. yeah. But but you sleep it's late. Really you sleep for me, in. man. You sleep, you know, the startup world, Tom, huh? the founder world. I right. said Founders of Parallax, we're gonna get into that. Thank you so much for for joining us today, and I'm really excited to talk about today's topic, a customer-led approach to launching successful tech products. I've been in the entrepreneurial world before, joined Ovative when we were sort of in our early days there, and I'm no stranger to what it takes to build brands and build tech and so on, and that it is really, really hard. Starting companies is hard, building new brands is really hard, building technology that is useful is, is really hard, and it seems to me that you guys are actually trying to do all of these things at one time. So, to <laughs> take the easy path to uh, to success, all right? All right. Thank you. Your your track record from both of you and, and all that I know about you and others say about you you know speaks for itself, and I'm excited for my for me to learn and our listeners to learn from what you guys have done and what you're doing. Before moving on, I think I'd love to give our listeners a definition or, or explanation of what what is your company? What what is Parallax? So. Parallax is essentially, it's a
2: a workforce planning tool that helps, you know, uses predictive analytics to help people understand how the workforce um, supply and demand is changing. So it sort of integrates with, on the sales side, so we can have a better understanding of how these, you know, the sales and the pipeline are going to affect the resource demand, whereas right now, in a lot of cases, there isn't any visibility into that. And it also does project-level accounting, so you can see how decisions... I I feel that pain, by the way. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) everybody everybody does. Um, the project level accounting element of parallax helps you sort of understand the impacts of your resource changes to the mm-hmm. project profitability and just or just not even just performance i would say and then we also do it tied to all that as resource planning right so you can see who's working on what now in the future how that's changing who's overloaded who's on you know who's maybe has from some free time and then we built into this a whole series of sort of insights that help you not only measure your performance against those things, but a forecast in the future, like what is our capacity, what kind of roles you know are do we need now, and what do we need in the future, and mm-hmm. how can we make that clear to people how that sort of you know what elements of our business are maybe most profitable but not growing as fast, and other things where you know it isn't as profitable but there's a lot of growth, and how do we treat those things mm-hmm. differently?
0: You know, to, again, to bring it, you know, into practice, I think that we we keep saying, or I, I believe that, like, getting people focused on the things that are going to have the most impact, especially when you're aligned with those personal aspirations, is a way to do really cool stuff. So, you know, here at Oveda, for an example, I know that you guys do, like, some, some really cool and creative search engine marketing, you know, and, and so what is the, I don't know what this is, so, you know, honest question, like, what's the coolest, like, You know, trend in you know leveraging some new capability or method in in search engine marketing, and what's how can we measure that upcoming demand so that we can tell a a faction of our workforce that, yeah, it's worth it for you to to read that book or to do that side project to learn that new capability because as you're doing that, I'm going to be onboarding you on a place to practice that. You know, that's what I think is kind of our vision for Parallax, and again, like. That's not altruistic necessarily. Like, it also is really good for the business. Like, if we understand where to invest the capital in our business in training or in, in recruiting and, and all those things, like, we're going to be out of the curve, you know? Yes. Yeah,
1: and if the, the Parallax um, unlocked metrics and, and, and toolkit is part of the fabric of the day to day of the business, right? Mm-hmm. That is a good thing for you guys, right? Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's institutionalized and it's a repeat customer there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: thanks. When we talk about, success as a tech company or a tech product, what is success for you guys? What is success for a product company, maybe more broadly?
2: Success for a tech company, tech product, I think it's just, uh, you know, first and foremost, building something that actually provides value to the users mm-hmm. and um, not only value, but in our case, hopefully sustained value, something that they can sort of, you know, not be able to imagine, you know, life without once they've had a chance to get to use it. And I think ultimately our goal is to create value not only for the business but also for the people that work there so that mm-hmm. we can hopefully hopefully make their lives a little easier, help them see sort of clarity in the future so that they can be growing, you know, in the right direction. So I think that's kind of where this whole thing started, at least for me, was like how can we help, you know, these people that spend a, such a large chunk of their life at work, making that a little bit more, you know, giving them some more ownership over sort of what that looks like for them.
1: Yeah, it just kind of blew my mind a little bit because now I'm realizing that you're talking about a, Technology that you're building, with the goal of making it awesome, right, and very useful, but also because you value. Building a company where people are happy, but then the technology is actually meant to make people happy.
2: Yeah, that's the. I mean, that's, that's the goal. Smart. Maybe we're trying to do it. <laughs> trying to do it all, like you said. So, you know, there's a lot of things that we could be spending our time doing,
1: and uh, if we're going to
2: spend a bunch of time and a bunch of energy and a lot of late nights and early mornings working on something, hopefully it provides. You know, we leave the world in a slightly better place than we found it. So.
0: Well, I think that's kind of the, the ticket, right? So I think Andreessen said, you know, it's not it's one thing to figure out a good pain point in the market that you can get people to say, yeah, "I've got this pain." It's like a whole other thing to get that person that has that pain to say, "I'll give you money for your solution to that pain." Right? That's what we're trying to figure out how to do. It, it's pretty easy, and a lot of the other products out in the market that we're in are, you know, pretty loudly beating a drum that says, "These are the pains. These are the pains. These are the pains." And we're trying to say like, "Okay, cool, but can we actually solve those problems and when you will you continue to invest in our product to make sure that you reinforce the solutions that we're building you know and i i do I think that's really hard. I think that um it takes a tremendous amount of work, and you know to Dave's point there there are like a lot of other more sexy problems in the world that are being solved, you know Elon Musk is launching cars into space, and you know. There's all these amazing, cool, you know, machine learning and, you know, blockchain and all this crazy, cool technology out there. Yeah, awesome (laughs) domes. But, you know, I think that in order to put in that extra effort to work the late nights and, like, you know, really continue to give it everything you've got every single day, you actually have to be pretty passionate about the problem you are specifically Mm -hmm. trying to solve. Otherwise, it's not likely that you're going to have that unique solution that is really meaningful in the market. And so that's where, you know, not a super sexy problem that we're trying to solve here with Parallax, except for it is for me, it is for Dave. Mm -hmm. And and our our spin on it, I think, is different from other people, and that's what ignites our passion. So I think that's important.
1: Is that part of the recipe to success? Meaning the founders, the company feeling passionate about what they're actually bringing to market? Maybe that sounds like obvious or silly that it should be, but... I hear that and I hear it very loudly that you guys are passionate about what you're trying to solve. And on some level, even if you don't achieve or someone or an entrepreneur does not achieve the massive billion dollar idea success, maybe that is more you know socially defined as success for a company. Mm-hmm. It's still successful because you're delivering on something that you believe in. Yeah. I, you know, obviously... We actually have to have
2: a addressable market and a product to fit, and it needs to actually have you know make some financial sense and be mm-hmm. viable as yeah. a product to sell. Um, but beyond so, if you've checked those boxes and said this is there is market fit, somebody wants to pay for this solution, this is a real problem that's identified, and there's some scale. I think the chances are much better for you to be successful uh, if you actually believe in what you're trying to solve and yeah. have passion for it, because it does take a lot of. Work Right. And a lot mm-hmm. of effort, a lot of your headspace to focus on it. And especially when you're building a company and bringing on new people and hiring like nowadays, you know, we've all talked about this purpose driven marketing and purpose driven brands that you you do need to actually stand for something because people have so many opportunities and so many different places they could decide to go mm-hmm. spend their, you know, 40-plus-hour week set. And so Mm
1: -hmm.
2: um, people want to align around a mission, a purpose that uh, has value. And I think Tom and I are the same way.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Dave, earlier you were referencing in a similar vein Netflix and their approach to, to launching their shows, or I guess House of Cards originally. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe for our listeners to hear, maybe you give that give that anecdote one more time.
2: Yeah, what, I think what Netflix realizes is that if they were, you know, they did a bunch of market research and kind of understood sort of what people, you know, wanted from content, and they, you know, did a, you know, whatever algorithm and magic math they did, they realized that if they were to take uh, Kevin Spacey as a lead actor and David Fincher as a director and combine them in sort of a episodic serial, um, I think around politics, that they would kind of have a. You know, a hit on their hands, and so that's what they did. They kind of just used the the sort of research to put those those elements together, and I think based on the success of House of Cards, largely that's where you start to see this massive yeah. increase in in custom or sort of you know owned content from like Netflix and Hulu and all these other
1: you know networks. So yeah, they're all replicating the model. Yeah, exactly. So a lot to learn from that approach. Obviously, is that approach to launching show for Netflix actually like the direct opposite or argument against how you guys are thinking about passion behind an idea?
0: I don't know. I mean, you know, if I could take that for a minute, there is a formula to how we're building this company. And we did borrow that formula from something that's proven. You know, we, we learned from an entrepreneur here locally that um, this idea of building a customer advisory council before you build your product or service mm-hmm. would be a great way to, st- to stay focused on what the value that the market sees in your potential product instead of the you know your perception of the value that the market might see or the opportunity that might that the market might see. We learned that from Phil Soren, um, a guy who started a company called Compellent. And uh, we spent a lot of time learning from him how they did it and what the formula or the recipe and all that stuff was. And then now we're applying that. And it's working for us, but I think the reason that it's working for us is because we have some great stories, we have some great energy, we're putting a lot of passion behind trying to assemble that group of people, and we're convincing people, you know, just last week we had 24 companies who we had never met before come to a three-hour meetup on a Wednesday night in Chicago, there was 37 people there, some leaders from the Chicagoland community that were completely engaged in helping us design our software product and helping us think through, you know, not just the features uh, what, that we should build, but also, you know, giving us some real tough feedback on what we shouldn't build and uh, and how we should stay in our lane and and really, you know, do a good job on this stuff instead of trying to do all the things. And it was a a really awesome event, but I don't think that just comes together because we said, hey, guys, you know, would you come out and hang out with us for a beer? I think it's because we told a good story because, you know, we really understand their problem and...
1: There's an authenticity. Them,
0: there's, uh, thank you. I think so. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that comes from our excitement and passion for the problem.
1: Yeah. What I hear, and in summary, also maybe referencing something that uh, we were talking about before the show. You mean T-Swift? T-Swift. <laughs> gotcha. You build, you're building a company. You believe that success as a product company, the way you do it is you do it like T-Swift's. Mm-hmm. T-Swift, excuse me, produces music. Is that, is that right? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think so. I, I, it's pretty awesome that this has come full circle to that <laughs> already, right? It's yeah. just so fast. But yeah, I think that you know, T Swift has some passion, has a has a has a story to tell through her lyrics. Mm-hmm. Essentially, her diary in mm-hmm. song form, mm-hmm. but realizes that there's so much benefit in collaboration with other artists and other people that have a a similar but maybe different perspective, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the art creates itself. <laughs> I, I, thought,
1: I thought you were the, the T-Swift expert over here. Oh, Dave is yeah, just apparently, yeah. know, very calm and Sorry, I think we're both, directly...
2: I think we're both pretty big T-Swift huge. fans.
1: Recently, I've become a big Taylor Swift fan, okay. that's true, yeah. So to recap, just regrounding us in the original questionnaire is what is success for a product company? I hear building a product that's useful, I hear... Having a founders and team that are that are passionate about what they're bringing to market, I hear not necessarily needing to recreate the wheel, or, or at least having a formula in place that you're being smart and like practical business operators when you're bringing it to market. And much like Taylor Swift, I hear being collaborative, right, and and, and involving others in that. Is that a, a fair summary?
0: I think that's really good, and I, you know. All joking aside is awesome, (laughs) it is is, that Taylor Swift is a big part of our conversation. (laughs) It is pretty cool the way that she approaches it. And I feel a lot of similarity now that we've called that out in the way that we're trying to uh, approach this that I think we have some humility and we have this like thirst for like other people's input. Like we really do value, you know, Mm -hmm. other people helping us make this awesome. Mm -hmm. And we're not like shy to admit that. Like we don't want to be the one necessarily who designs the perfect solution we want to want to be the people that bring that solution to life, you yeah. know? And and I don't really care if I wasn't the first one to come up with it. I want to stand on those shoulders of those folks and that, and that sort of thing. I feel like that is, you know, there is some similarities there. Like she might put down the hook, but then she brings in that perfect producer that's going to be able to expand on that mm-hmm. and, you know, blow it up the way she visions it could be.
1: Yeah. And, and I think uh, even from this conversation I can see already that... I believe what you're saying, Taylor Swift aside. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think it's important because I, I, it, it's like I don't know if it's a, there's a like talking to kids or kids always call bullshit or something. Are able yeah, to yeah. you know, there's maybe that sort of metaphor here, but especially if you're trying to convince someone to buy this thing that right. in, in in this is not in any way um, minimizing the problem you're solving how you're solving it, but like any technology, it could mm. be solved maybe in simpler ways or more basic ways manually or mm maybe it just deprioritized or so on so you're convincing them to pay for something because they believe in you guys right and that, i think there's like a interesting lesson there also around even though you're building technology it's still the people behind it that they are really buying on some level especially at the stage of business that you guys are in mm-hmm.
0: yeah i think that's true i think that they a lot of people also it's not it's not just us but it's the promise of, that we represent of the method and that you know and that method is about being different and it's it's about you know, having a a wider uh, spectrum of input in the product and all those things that you know ultimately we we can we can connect the dots for them to say that's going to drive value back to them in a way that's different from our competitors.
1: I feel like what you guys are saying. So going back to the the sort of topic, a customer led approach to launching successful tech products does, on some level, go against the common thinking around a successful technology. And this is not me disagreeing with anything you guys said. I actually fully, I love it for so many reasons. What I mean here to get to the point is if technology is meant to make things easier and more efficient and require less interaction with humans, I think is the main thing that maybe I'm thinking about, then the approach you're taking is kind of the opposite by wanting to involve the people that are buying it, right? To make it better for them, certainly. But I, I guess I don't know wh- whether or not your audience right would be like, awesome, love it, like the story you just told Tom. Or are there others that are out there that are, no, we just want you to put this thing in and then go away? <laughs>
0: yeah. If there were those companies, then they're not a good prospect for us, honestly. I think that uh, it's like kind of a perfect time for us to take this approach with this particular market because I think that the world is, is starting to look at the solutions to problems in a different way, in my opinion. I think that... It's table stakes today to have some of that, like, block and tackle. Like, uh, we we have digitized some of these processes, and we've, you know, automated some of these things. And
1: even... We have a website yeah, that right. functions, yeah. You know, <laughs> and,
0: and even the the era of Craigslist is over, meaning that, like, for a while, you could say, like, the functionality and the value that Craigslist uh, provides allows for it to be pretty, you know, plain and, and, and not very beautiful, right? I think that's done. Like, that's Craigslist is the last one, you know? Like, I think that... Utility is like absolutely must have utility and be easy to use, Uh, you know, it needs to be beautiful these days as well. Uh, But I think also that a lot of the the modern users are expecting the product to also bring, you know, best practices and kind of guide their behavior so they can focus their mental energy and other more important things. So, you know, I I think that that's the modern expectation Mm -hmm. of technology and software, like it's not enough that we should have to just make it really easy and configurable so that I can do exactly what I'm doing, but in your software. I think today's expectation is, I, I have other stuff in my business to focus on that's not related to operations or, or this problem you're solving. Just tell me the right way to do it so I can focus over here on the things that I'm uniquely good at. I love that, mm-hmm. uh, that approach that so many young companies and like innovative companies are taking to the world. They're asking for help, and they're being... you know confident in like adopting best practices. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a perfect time for us to be yeah. building the software this way. I don't yeah. know that it would have worked in the nineties because mm-hmm. too many people thought yeah. like, no, 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 it has to be our way in our process. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. you need to shape your mm-hmm. tech to fit my way of doing things. Like that's just not, not as much of a thing anymore. Exactly. And I think another thing to think about is that I think sometimes
2: people think, well, technology creates this like, you know, digital isolation and blah, 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 blah. And from like a human standpoint, I think that that's not, always true at all. Um, If you think about the, um, the ability to stay connected, even when you're like working remotely, so you can be the person who you truly are and maybe working remotely is the best way for you to work and have you live your life and stuff and still stay engaged and interested in the people you're working with, for example. And so the technology that, you know, like what we're building and other people have built, that create this sort of visibility into, into the reality of things. And it allows you to sort of, like we talk about, you know, helping people reach their like self-actualization right by understanding that they have all these other base level things taken care of so they don't have to worry about those things and technology can help them be more engaged be and have more direct impact on their own contribution and see it more readily Mm -hmm. i think all that stuff is more human and i think that's what technology allows you to do if done right not to be you know obviously technology can do the opposite but i don't think it's a given or a foregone conclusion that technology would do
1: that i completely agree I do think to both of your points that maybe there is some misperception mm-hmm. sometimes in the market, and to your point, Tom, that may mean that they're just not a good fit for for Parallax.
0: Yeah, and I, mean, I think that the maybe it's legacy perception. I think that, like I said, there's a lot of progressive companies that are thinking differently about how and what um, technology that
1: they're adopting. Uh, you know, these days, my opinion. Right, you're, you're saying it's the. The brand, so so the the target audience mm-hmm. who you're sell, who our technology is selling to, is more open to a collaborative approach and wanting to understand what be, the best practices and yeah. so the tech the, the technology wins or you guys win by by listening mm-hmm. and and helping them meet those needs.
0: I think so. Yeah. You know, and, and to connect the dots between what I'm saying and Dave saying, what Dave's saying is that as a brand, the things that we stand for are all about creating better environment to be strategic, to do innovative things, to like grow and to you know develop your people and all that stuff by kind of covering off on some of the friction in our business that comes from a lack of shared understanding and so this communication tool that we've built that's to a lot of people might seem pretty trivial it's it's resource planning it's project pricing it's project accounting like it, you know it seems pretty operational but really covering off on those those simple operational issues and creating better perspective that's can be shared across the whole company actually Elevates the conversations to stuff that's more strategic and can be more exactly. real and you know focused on the right stuff and less fighting about like well I don't have the right person for this project.
1: It's mm-hmm. so it's so hard it's so critical and especially with the challenge that you guys are tackling I couldn't agree more with with the approach. For what it's worth and it makes sense that you're already having such good momentum and success by tackling it in a more mm-hmm. authentic way.
0: But there are some companies out there, and that's the close the loop. They don't want to move away from their central point of decision-making and we're not going to, you know, it's going to be all a black box and we'll tell you this and you do that. Like those companies are not going to be a good fit for us. And so we also don't want to build a product for them.
1: If I may extrapolate what you're saying to make it more extreme and maybe entertaining, you're also saying that those companies are taking the wrong approach. Absolutely right.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. Because and this is, it might sound cheesy or or like feely or whatever, but like Dave and I, like the reason we're building this business, as he was saying it earlier, we both have worked in organizations similar to Ovative before, where it's a professional services, consulting, you know, based business. And the biggest problem in these businesses is like balancing supply and demand, meaning that, oh my gosh, we have way too much work today. So what is the natural thing we do is we ask everyone to like work their butts off and try to get it all done Mm -hmm. so we can fit it in. And, Oh my gosh, we're like low on work. Or what are we going to do? Like, do we have to do layoffs or whatever? Like those are problems that really have impact on people. And even more so like we have all these great people that work here at Ovative. What are we doing to invest in their personal and professional development? What are we doing to give them the opportunities to learn the things that they want to learn and take it from someone who ran a, a company with 500 people It's really hard for me to provide 500 people with opportunities to learn and grow. But it's a lot easier if I can say, oh, this whole faction of our organization wants to learn this new capability for, you know, automated digital marketing. Mm -hmm. And that just so happens to align with like a big need that we're starting to see happen in our customer base. It's really easy to help align and connect those dots, right? If we have the tools to have the visibility there. It's harder, you know, if we're just kind of guessing at, how those lines can connect, and we're just taking shots at the dark, right? I want to provide that you know platform for people to grow professionally to be engaged. That's also what any consulting firm needs is is to be constantly evolving their totally. craft, right? And so how can you we, we keep saying that how can you align the aspirations for growth and innovation in your business with the aspirations for growth and and personal professional de- development with your people? and it is kind of cracking that supply and demand, not really because it's you know, it's it's all sales and marketing at the end of the day, man. You know, totally. like, it's all like, you know, how do we bring in those new opportunities uh, that are going to make us better, that we're going to make money, that we're going to provide opportunity, all that stuff. And so whether it's how, we, how we're going to ignite the passion of these people or provide the opportunity and the platform for them to grow, it all comes down to what we're focused on and yeah. how we identify that. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. To say what you're saying maybe a little bit differently is sometimes I hear a purest belief behind culture and revenue are... Mm-hmm not so attached at the hip, Mm -hmm. you know, that you can have (laughs) this great, amazing, high energy culture, even if you're not, you know, maybe selling business or selling something that others want to buy. And I think I agree with both of what you're saying in that, well, I don't agree with that mindset, right? I think that Mm -hmm. those things are very attached Mm -hmm. and it's the revenue that you're driving and profit that maybe you're driving secondarily that is interesting and fun for your people to be working on, yeah. right, and the problems that you're solving that people yeah. get pumped up about.
2: And I think and that's what we, that's why we kind of talk about this idea, like the most most successful of these, like probably any business, but professional service and, uh, businesses for sure, they succeed when they have really engaged employees, right? Um, really engaged employees do better work. They stick around longer. They, they're more efficient. They work mm-hmm. together. But I think sometimes understanding what engagement means is important. Like mm-hmm. there's a big difference between an engaged employee and a satisfied employee. Mm-hmm. Satisfied employee is... I'm going to give you X amount of dollars for 2,080 hours of your life every year. And if that transaction goes well, then everyone's satisfied. But engaged employees are the ones that actually are willing to go above and beyond the contract. And they actually see their impact and understand how all of their efforts is you know, affecting the business and the people around them. And I think that's what you know, technology can do is, again, create that visibility so you can go, this is, this is the impact you're having now. And here's where the how it's you know how it aligns with the business. Here's where the business is kind of moving. How can you participate in that in a way that feels good, that you feel valued, you know, and so that that value exchange is is ever present.
0: And so to put that into practice with Parallax, you know, not totally not a sales pitch for us, but back to the question you said, is there a formula that works that you could potentially reuse? I think that this, uh, we call it the product advisor council, but that engaging the customer early actually is a really great method for finding a way to help your employees feel like they're part of the solution and then they have like a real personal uh, input Uh, and understanding of what the problem is. You know, we've done these Uh, Product Advisory Council workshops, and we've brought our whole team, our developers, our customer success, our salespeople, and they participate in the workshop. They meet these potential users. They know them by name. They can picture them when they're talking about the persona when we're designing something new. You know, that kind of stuff, like, it drives engagement, Mm -hmm. you know, in my opinion, that this is, like, how we can ignite some of the passion that, uh, that, you know... We have for solving this problem because it's a real human problem when you can see the people, (laughs) you know, like it's not just like, hey, did we have high enough utilization? It's like, no, Jen, she struggles with this every Mm -hmm. single day about how to connect these two groups together. And I remember when she told us that story and, you know, that kind of stuff is like. Really fun. It's really cool to see that stuff click with our people. And that gets them going home and telling their significant other. That gets them excited to come in with a new, fresh idea of th- something we didn't thought of, uh, think of yet. And then they're certainly not just like, you know, processing the check and, and thinking it's a satisfactory you know, transaction. They're like, they're bragging to their friends and they're recruiting more people, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. And there's no out of the box technology. <laughs> that you could just like put in place and then that's no, no. gonna do that for you.
0: But the formula though is I think yeah. that the, you know, whether you use this product advisory council thing and that's your formula for creating engagement in your, your community, your workforce, right? Uh, that's one, there's there's plenty of them out there, right? But I, I really do think that I think people today, you know, you could you could pull like, like, oh, they're millennials or the zennials or the whatever. Like people today, they are purpose-driven, you know? They really do care about like the impact they make. And so a really easy put-it-in-the-practice formula is like, do the people that work on your team that give you 40 hours or more a week, do they really understand why we're doing it, you know? And uh, I know that I'm not the first one to say, you know, explain that why, but y- you can't just assume that you can say it and then they're going to understand it. You have to yeah. find a way to put them Make in it a tangible. situation that yeah. it's tangible, yeah. right? And so it could be the product advisory council, it could be... You know a handful of different things that we've done before but yeah um but I mean, i'm think, really excited about this one
2: yeah i think the the pack the product advisor console is great but you just daily we use tools that where our customers can submit feedback Absolutely. directly that basically goes right into our like jira you know so the developers can see and they respond way more to those than like tom or i coming back from a client meeting and be like hey we need to do this and like well maybe you know but if they see a customer saying this is this is the pain I'm having. Can you help me out there? They'll jump on, on it, it, you know, like right away. So it can be kind of frustrating when we're like, I told, we told you that. Like, <laughs> but like, nah, I don't nah, on. No, it's straight up. Me. Like if we're on site with a
0: customer, <laughs> we say, okay, I can take a note of this, but would you just submit it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah. chances are it's going to get solved a lot faster. <laughs> yeah. And they do. And it's cool. So yep. it's all good. Don't tell our developers we told you that. Oh, crap. We should edit this part <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, take that out. Oops. Well, I think that, like, if we can keep going on that a little bit, I think that whole topic of transparency, of engagement, I think that it's another, it's a theme that's built into our brand, I hope, and that certainly our product is that we are trying to attract customers who value that in Mm -hmm. their businesses as well. And so some of the tools that we're developing inside Parallax are meant to drive probably more transparency than the average small agency, 20, 30, 50, 100 people, are, are comfortable today providing, you know. We are in this system showing many P&Ls for each account. Mm-hmm. We're kind of showing right at scale sharing these at things. At scale with the people who are, you know, in the position to make decisions on behalf of the company and the customer. Uh, that in the past they had some limited information. So like historically maybe these project managers are meant to create the best in class service and the best product or software or whatever and also make the company lots of money. Um, and balance those two things, but the only thing that they have control over is the number of hours applied, you know? Well, we made it pretty simple to add a few other elements that the CEO or the CFO might have to make strategic decisions on how to balance those two things. It's, it's simple. What's the cost for that project? And what's the variable cost? You know, what's the revenue that we're earning? And, and what levers do that uh, project management team have, uh, in order to impact those things, and so they can make the trade-offs and balance, right? Almost no one is, you know, by default just giving those tools mm-hmm. to these project managers. And we're standing on a, a, a bit of a, a of a platform and saying, you know, if you guys want to use Parallax, you kind of have to have this open, transparent, like, approach to running your right. business because you don't hire these extremely talented project managers, you know, you know just to use them to manage hours. You create – you're hiring them to create impact for your customers yep. – in the best way within, within our control and with the with the levers that we have in as an organization to pull. And if they have to go to the boss to understand those levers, mm-hmm. it doesn't make any dang sense. You know? Yeah.
2: I think we kind of borrow from the, you know, Nord- I think Nordstrom made it pretty famous, the sort of inverse pyramid model mm-hmm. of management where the support is to support the, the frontline salespeople mm-hmm. in, yep. in store all the way down to the CEO is, you know, in support of those people. Yep. I think that's kind of a similar model here that we think is valuable across the board for other kind of businesses. Like, who are the people that are actually on the front line day-to-day doing the work? What support do they need? What information do they yeah. need? And how can you get it to them in a, way, in a in a responsible way that's not going to go too far and make them overburden f- overburden yeah. them yeah. with all the decisions, but enough to help them do their job better and feel mm-hmm. ownership?
1: Yeah, I think what I'm hearing is it's, it's almost like another version of a product council maybe. Your employees, you want to give them what they need in order to – make them successful. You also want to listen to them to hear what, what they need. The theme around having tools in place or both technology and conversational or councils in place to solicit and make it easier to get customer feedback. Mm-hmm. And you guys as the leaders of the company, but the company in general, be able to listen and then take action on that and be mm-hmm. collaborative in that way. But then also the tool that you're building internally at these companies is kind of meant to foster that on some level as well. I know it's a little bit of a different take on it, but I think the, the listen and and provide that those insights to make them successful, right? And smarter and all and, and and be able to forecast and and intelligent about what they should be where they should be spending their time and what's valuable is is awesome.
0: Yeah, thanks. I, I think I we go back to this like your if you're in a consulting business or an agency or any kind of professional services business your product is your people and you are doing your best that you can to not just hire really awesome people, but, and not just to retain them, but to keep them engaged and like really excited about doing a kick-ass job for your customer. Right. And so, yeah, it's about like, how do you position them? And as Dave described, um, how do you support them, uh, and remove all the friction in the way of letting them do that, you know, and that is going to take, uh, people
1: that are to you make it sound so age. simple. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> no, if, it's so it's so hard, right? I mean, it's it, not an easy problem to solve.
0: It, it takes some trust. I it think takes a lot of trust. You though. know, um, it also takes. I think some cadence and maybe even some governance to communication, right? It's a lot easier to provide that platform of trust when there's a feedback mechanism that we can say, project manager A is staying within the bounds of our agreement. You know, it's all that data is coming to me real time, you know, as opposed to, boy, I hope they know what they're doing, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'll find out in two months. And it's measurable
1: too. Exactly. Right. Right. Maybe on every early morning riffs episode ever, ever, this topic has come up around. Making things measurable yep. and, and and showing the metrics may not solve the problem, but yep. it's going to allow a conversation about facts. Absolutely right? right.
2: Well, it needs to be measurable, and you need to and people have to have access to those measurements in enough time to do anything about yep. it. Yeah, right? The like access if, or availability yeah, is critical. If you incredible. get the get the report two months after there's any chance of writing the ship, what are you what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, who's, yep. whose fault is that?
1: Right. I'm always fascinated by entrepreneurs who are taking on super challenging problems like you guys are. And I'm not just saying that to prop you up, because <laughs> I <laughs> I feel the pain that you guys are trying to solve. And I know how hard it is to solve it at scale. But also doing so, if I understand the situation correctly, without hundreds of millions of dollars behind you to actually get it going. And I think I'd love to hear about your Prior experiences from um, jobs or or other companies you've observed, and how do you do that? Like you know, for Parallax, and I think more broadly, how do you build momentum? How do you build a brand without without tons and tons of money? Because even with tons and tons of money, in my experience, it's not that easy. Mm -hmm. I mean,
2: a big part of it, I think, early on is, you know, we talk about you know my old agency at, at Zeus. They built you know an agency around this idea that marketing is a service. Right? You need to actually provide value in in the brand experience, and that people have. You know, they can see through your BS at this point. Mm-hmm. So you can't get away with just messaging and just talking about stuff. You actually have to do things for and with people to to create value, right? And so we, you know, applied that right out of the gates. So that's what this product advisory council thing is all about is, like, Yeah, help us understand, like, we're going to introduce you to the ideas and the brand and the product that we're building and sort of get on their radar, but also create an environment where they can learn from each other and Mm -hmm. network and have a conversation. So that's, like, the starting point. That's relatively cheap. Like, you guys gave us a free spot to do one of our product meetups here. That cost us Mm -hmm. very little. So that was awesome. Thank you. Our pleasure. And then from there, you know, we've built a lot of... Tools and things like that that we've helped that the you know to sort of inform the 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 product like calculators and things to think about like revenue opportunity and where you know blah 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 blah, and I think to borrow from like HubSpot's playbook like we're gonna you know use these let's use these marketing these tools as marketing assets, mm-hmm. but. It's not BS, they're actually valuable, right? So right. let's actually make them useful so mm-hmm. that if your only interaction with Parallax is ever are just, like, the marketing and the brand, that you actually get value out of that even. Mm-hmm. There's some sort of interaction there. Yeah, right? Yeah. So that's useful information. And, and, you know, and then we, you know, do the other thing. Like, there is a lo- there's a lot of these agencies, digital agencies, that that um, are amazing at what they do. They're great at the craft of, you know, building digital tools and experiences. Websites, um, mobile apps, whatever they do, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But they don't necessarily know, you know, they've, they've never been taught, like, how do you actually grow a business, right? Mm-hmm. That's not something that you probably, a lot of these folks got into when they started these these businesses. They got into it for the craft. So what we want to do is help them understand the best practices that, to create and develop thought leadership around, like, how do you think about growth in a, in a way that's going to not only improve the business, but also in you know, improve the the engagement of your workforce at the same time. Right. And so there's a lot of opportunity for us, I think, to using our experience and the experience of the, you know, almost like hundred people we have in our product advisory yeah. council to like share these stories and the things that we're learning.
0: So two practical examples there. Again, last week we're out in Chicago, we have this meetup. I think a pretty good uh indicator of like the success of a meetup is how fast people fly out of there when it's done. Hmm. And uh, we had the the space booked till 8 p.m. Our meetup ended at 7. It was still a full house at 8. We had to shoo everyone out. In fact, Dave had to pick up a bar tab down the street to incentivize people to leave. They weren't there for the beer. I mean, the beer is fine. But like they were there because between the people that we brought the room together, the room that we brought together, that we kind of planted a seed with some of these problems for the first time in, in years, they've finally met somebody that also has that problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, they felt like they were on an island and they mm-hmm. could riff and they could, what did you, oh, how did you do yeah, that? That's that's like a real example of the value that we're providing yeah. in our marketing, right? It's about the community too. Yeah, man, and it's like- And they actually said that. They're like,
2: the best thing you could do is keep this keep community this going, together, you, know, right? you know,
0: so. Another really practical example. So, you know, a couple of weeks ago, there's this local digital project management meetup group And they did a webinar. Then I asked if I could present or whatever. And uh, I created, to Dave's point, a pretty simple spreadsheet that just says hey, you know, if you're having this problem of trying to decide whether or not you can hire people or should hire people and all that stuff, here's a really simple mathematical model that you can use, almost a pro forma or a budget that you can elevate the, the discussion away from this. One, you know, very tactical decision of hiring this one person up to a more strategic, like, are we ready for hiring mm-hmm. new people discussion? And uh, just went on, like, kind of told the story, showed him my little spreadsheet and said, hey, look, this is this, this is a tool you can use to, like, make that discussion more strategic, less reactive. And I had 20 people after the, after the show email me say, can I have your deck and can I have that spreadsheet? You know, absolutely. You can have that spreadsheet. No worries. Because then I, you know, <laughs> I am actually, like... Yeah. I personally get a lot of gratification out of, like, that experience. Like, that was fun for me. It was fun for me to see that, like, this spreadsheet that I put together actually provides value for someone. But on the flip side, like, I'm hoping that I've planted a seed that what if, if Tom can do this with a spreadsheet, what does his product do?
1: Yeah, it's it's such a good example and tying back to what we were talking about earlier where I can imagine the – you were saying maybe out to the 90s or early 2000s version of a tech company that – doesn't do that, <laughs> or, or maybe maybe the customer is not expecting that or looking for that as much. To your point, where they would hesitate to give something away for free or something that's valuable away for free. Maybe there's like the surface stuff that just yeah. like mm-hmm. gets them excited. Where at least for you guys, and and I do think you're a little bit ahead in where where this movement <laughs> is going. But you're you're taking a different approach that is more around listening and more around or willing to just solve problems mm-hmm. and doing goodness for. People and companies that are out there will we'll lead to business yeah. rather than mm-hmm. the re- reverse.
2: Well, I think that like if you are afraid to give away some of these tools and thought leader, you know, some ideas and plans for free because you're, you think that that might somehow ruin your chances of building a successful business, you probably don't have a very good business mm-hmm. on, on your hands <laughs> yeah, to begin that, with. Yeah. Like, if I can give you a spreadsheet that essentially does exactly the same thing as a product that we're building, you know.
1: That's not a good sign. I, so. <laughs> I, I, I do. I, I was I do like the idea of, of like being that that you know you guys are sitting around beers or maybe at the meetup beforehand, and Tom showing that spreadsheet and it's doing awesome things. People are getting psyched. But Dave, you're in the background thinking like, "Fuck, I I, I don't know if we can do anything better than that." Like, I, they, 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 well, why, is, yeah. why is why, is, why is he teaching that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which I know is not the case, yeah. but there's uh, well, sometimes no. It's yeah. a, well, exactly. you got to fake it until you make it.
0: <laughs> And, you know, disclaimer, like, you know, we're a year and a half in, like a knocking on wood, like, we'll see if this works.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. And so far, so good, though. I mean, I, and I again, what's going to keep us working hard on it is that we're super passionate about solving the problem. That also helps us put the extra energy into making the little spreadsheets and doing the, the talks at mm-hmm. the meetup. And like that stuff, just it's fun. It, mm-hmm. If it weren't fun. There's no way I would try to convince my wife to let me work late yet another night or, like, you know, figure out a creative way to get to the baseball game with my kids and, you know, get this
1: extra thing done. So, Dave, yes. I'm going to catch you off guard right now because we have the final segment here. This has been fucking awesome, guys. I have I've, I've <laughs> Thank I'm say yeah, yeah, I've learned you. so much yeah. and I'm. I'm much more of a believer in, in you two and the company than from <laughs> when man. we started this conversation. I'm not just saying that at all.
0: You're saying my reputation precedes me.
1: That you know, <laughs> you're like, oh man, Tom That's, and Dave are coming. Ovative is taken on this new technology and these guys. And <laughs> yeah. This guy was at the nerdery. I thought those guys were pretty cool. Why would he leave there to start this company? Who's this Dave guy? Exactly. Right. No, there's no last name. It was just Dave. <laughs> Dave. And I'm That's thinking, right. yep. I don't know. I don't. But now, now I do. All now right. I know. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. But I want to throw a little bit of a, maybe not a curveball at you, Dave. Tom is aware of this, actually, so that's Uh unfortunate for you right now. Uh Here's a little bit about me, very briefly. One, the the most important thing for you to know as we jump into this real quick and final segment of the show is I'm a big fan of Matt Damon. Do Do you know who that is? Yes, yes. Pretty famous he's a wonderful actor i like him not just because he's great at acting both from a dramatic action and comedic sense mm-hmm. but also he values family and is very vocal about that he also has water.org his yeah. his charity that is you know bringing clean water to the rest of the world in a way that is really really awesome and he's very very passionate about and i think would learn a lot even from some of the conversation today mm-hmm. on how to make that even better and and, and make that business thrive during our prep <laughs> call i recognized something a, a commonality between tom Tom O'Neill, right here, mm-hmm. and Matt Damon, and that is that. Tom is Matt's or Mr. Damon's voice doppelganger. Oh, really?
0: Apparently, yes. <laughs> really? I'm <laughs> learning that right now. Like this but, entire uh, yeah.
1: the entire show today, I've basically been talking to Dave, who's awesome, and not just Dave, but you're you're awesome, Dave. Oh, thanks, man. And not Tom O'Neill, but Matt Damon, in my mind, right? And it was kind of surprising Ask that he decided to you know, take take that say, take this journey. Say, but, what do you think of them apples? Say that. Just wait, just wait oh. for a second, Dave. Just wait for a second. <laughs> great great question. Great because that's where my head went also, All right? right? Okay. Because I wanna I want the voice doppelganger of Matt Damon okay. to and Tom is just a great guy and great sport to to participate in this. So we got a game for you. Okay. Casey here has helped us out by taking clips that were previously recorded by Tom of five real quotes, some famous, some not, of Matt Damon. Okay. Obviously we already had the actual quotes. Okay from right. video or audio that's out there of Matt Damon All right. and we have I don't even know the answer randomly selected those either Tom or Matt to play one at a time today so we're going to play just one quote okay. or one clip for each for each line and it will either be and I have to guess it will either be O'Neal or it will be Damon and you need to guess All right, I'm- if you get four out of five correct <laughs> okay. you get a swag bag if you don't Mr. O'Neill does. Thomas. Oh, oh, yes. All right, it's on. Are you ready? So I have oh, to guess, man. O'Neill or Damon. Is it O'Neal or is it Damon? All right, let's hear it. Quote number one. How do you like them apples? O'Neal. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't get it. I don't
1: think I sound like him, but let's hear it. All right. One more, let's do the first one one more time.
0: How do you like them
1: apples? That's a Minnesotan. Uh-huh. That's apples? a Minnesota
0: apples. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's, a, that's an O'Neill.
1: Otherwise, it's a spitting. Spot on. Spot on, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is correct. Nice. Yes. One for one, Dave. Thank you. You know this man. You've known him for a long time. I have. Quote number two. All right. Here we go.
0: Listen, here's the thing. If you can't spout the sucker in your first half hour at the table, then you are the sucker.
2: Let <laughs> me go, Rounders. O'Neal. O'Neal.
1: Correct. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, was that, think think yeah, that, yeah, that was pretty good, though. I had I was. I just want just to be clear,
1: Tom. And, and he said <laughs> he was not trying. He's not acting just, on this. He, that's just what he sounds like. That did sound pretty darn. That nice. is his voice normally. All right, now it's going to jam me up every time you talk to me. Right. Now we're going. We're going.
0: I stepped on a snake the last time I was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I <it> was O'Neal. <laughs> <laughs> Correct.
1: Yes. Oh, man, dang. I didn't know you knew each other he's since good. seventh grade. Yeah. Vote number yeah. four.
0: All well, I did for promotion today with some podcasts, and I had the weekend, and I was at home, and I forgot to shave. <laughs> I wish that was Damon.
1: Uh, no, that's, those are these are all real Damon quotes. He yeah. said that. He's, he did say that. that. Yeah. Well, that sounds like
2: a Tom O'Neill thing that maybe Damon should have said, but I'm gonna go O'Neill again. Sorry.
1: Correct. Yes. <laughs> so I got my your fo- your, your forfe- Yes, you, you, oh, you do get this. That's right right. yeah, nice. yeah, little disappointing. But uh, here's the here's the real ringer.
0: All right. I'm gonna have to science the shit out of this. <laughs>
1: Damon <laughs> Incorrect no. Thank you for saying that no. Four out of five works You still get the swag bag Nice Did you hear it though? I mean I this do is, I do hear it Yeah, yeah. I, It's <laughs> not
2: just BS I, I,
1: I get it Dave oh thank goodness. you for playing Thank uh, you Appreciate it Is it Damon or is it O'Neill? You really are It's always O'Neill. Really are a champion <laughs> Mr. O'Neal It's Tom, been my
0: pleasure yeah. Been
1: awesome Thank you guys so much Yeah thank you Super fun We'll have to do it again sometime